Hey, this is Alex Holroyd, and welcome to the Young Life Midlands Podcast. Welcome to the Young Life Midlands Podcast. We are going to be listening to a leadership from April 2018, where we discussed what is important versus what is urgent. And as a leader, what do we have to do with that? It'll be a little bit hard sometimes with the sound quality, but hang in there. It's good stuff. So without further ado, here is leadership on the important versus the urgent. Hey, one thing real quick. This is a freebie. Allie, that's my beautiful wife right there. We have twins on the way. Twin daughters, if you didn't know. Daughters. So, um, so anyway, hey, Allie, Allie had this sweet phone call she got the other day. And it just reminded me of what I love that we get to do in Young Lines. Uh, Allie does Young Lines. We had a uh, we had a girl who you know she she was a teenager and she was a teen mom. And Allie kind of loved her really well and was constantly trying to show her and have her kind of come around with Young Lines. And she didn't know Jesus at all and tried to really walk with her in that. And she was kind of distant and kind of come around and uh but never really fully engaged you guys have those high school friends right that you're like i've been praying like crazy and they never really come but your heart is just kind of warmly drawn to them in a way and uh she got a phone call uh, it was a week ago um from the area director in, in beaufort saying hey i just want you to know um she has completely been coming around like she's kind of run and said like i've been living this life and nothing's been giving me life at all like i've been trying so hard and i feel like i've just hit rock bottom and you're the only place I knew where to go. And I love that because my mentor one time said when it came to Young Life, he goes, you know what our job really is? We just paint a picture of who the father is and we paint a picture of the way home. And hopefully at the end of that, they come to their senses and they, and they know when they've hit rock bottom or they know when they've tried everything else, they come home. And I love that. It's no pressure, right? We're not salespeople. We're not like, hey, you need to meet Jesus. You need to meet Jesus. I know right now at camp it kind of feels like that. But right now, like, it's, that's not it. We just get to paint a picture of who the Father is and then the picture of the road home, and we just pray like crazy that they come down and be a part of that. At least right now, what you're feeling probably is you've got a, a, ton of, a ton of exams or papers and then getting ready to kind of start coming in. At the same time, you're trying to find wingathon money. At the same time, you're trying to fundraise in other ways. At the same time, you're trying to hang out with your friends. You're trying to hang out with your high school friends. You're trying to get them to go to camp. You're trying to wrap up everything. And your life maybe feels a little chaotic right now. But I feel like at this season, it's really easy for you guys to kind of, I would say, check out or just feel overwhelmed. My prayer is that this would be an eye-opener that would help us deal with just the craziness of life. And this will be geared towards, I'll give Young Life context, but this is a life principle. All right, this is Jesus. This is a life principle. You can apply it to anything you want. But here are three reasons or four reasons why I think it's important. So if you're a notebook taker, write notes. Here's a little fascination about notes. You, I read this study a month ago. When you write hand with your notes as opposed to typing it, you learn 25% more. So there's that. Um, here's three things. Actually, it's four things. I lied. All right, why this truth we're going to learn tonight is so important. Point number one, because if you don't plan your life, somebody else will. That's true. If you don't plan your life, somebody else is going to do it for you. So that's why you need to know about tonight. Uh, Here's the second thing. You're going to run yourself into the ground if you don't understand this truth. 
100%. Doesn't matter if it's young life or your first job or school, you're going to run yourself into the ground if you don't understand this truth. Uh, this one's the scary one for me. You will miss ministry for ministry if you don't understand this. You're going to skip over ministry to go do ministry. And if we understand this truth, I feel like we will stop doing that. Uh, and, and the last one I, I would say is uh, if we don't understand this principle, this thought, we'll switch roles with God. And that can, that can become real dangerous. If we don't understand tonight, we'll switch roles with God. And we'll, we'll try to do his role, which we are not capable of doing. So um, what is this grand idea? We're going Old T today. We're going Old Testament. Hey, someone go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. If you want to know how to get there, open your Bible in the middle and go left. Like a long time. Page 252 if that helps. I think that's funny. All right. 1 Samuel 10 verse 8. Let me give you a little backstory. As you guys are flipping there, this is King Saul. He's not currently King Saul yet. Right now, he's kind of this good-looking guy who Samuel feels like the Lord is anointed to become king. And so as he is getting ready to anoint him to become king, he does the whole anointing oil and everything. And then he gives him this kind of uh, assurance, or he gives him kind of this command to make sure he upholds. Great. 1 Samuel 10, verse 8. Yeah, awesome. Nice and loud. They go down before me to uh, Gilgal. Gilgal. And behold, I am coming down to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait until I come to you and show you what you shall do. Awesome. Okay. Hey, first off, let's just give yourselves grace when we read Old Testament. All right. None of this. Like, huh, I think you might have said that. You didn't say that wrong. Because no one knows how to say any of these words. All right. So when you get to read Old Testament, everyone's like, I'm not reading that. Like, half these words you just mumbled. You say it constantly, no one will doubt you. Because I have no idea how to say that. Uh, so here's, here is Samuel. Samuel is talking to Saul. He's now King Saul. And he goes, hey, Saul, you're getting ready to go into battle. All right. And here's what I need you to do. Before you get into battle, before you're getting ready to kind of, you know, do your thing to the Philistines, you need to wait seven days and wait for me to give you instructions. He goes, okay. Right? Wait seven days and wait for me to give you instructions. And Saul goes, okay, that sounds good. All right, flip over a couple pages. First Samuel chapter 13. One Samuel. 13, 1 through 10. Saul was 30 years old when he became king. Hey, oh. He reigned Israel for 42 years. Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel, 2,000 were with him at Mikmash and in the hill country of Bethel, and a thousand men Jonathan and Gibehe. The rest of the men he sent back to their house. Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Gaza, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul, Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news. Saul attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become obnoxious to the Philistines. And the people were summoned to join Saul and Gibehe. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sands on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth Aven. When the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets, among the rocks and in the pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained in Gibel, and all the troops uh, were with him quaking in fear. 
He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, Bring me the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offerings. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went up to greet him. Awesome. Thank you. I'm just going to read this last couple one. I love this. What have you done? The very next verse. Remember when you were a kid and your dad or mom would say it and you're like, oh boy. Like you're about to yell that. What have you done? Saul replied, when I saw the men were scattering um, and that you did not come in at the set time and the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Giggle. I like that. And I have not sought the Lord's favor, so I felt compelled to do the burnt offering. All right, and so you we're reading this. If you guys are getting the picture, if you're following it, I know sometimes when you read Old Testament, you follow it for like five verses, and you're like, all right, I have no idea what's happening. So let me just give you a little framework, right? Saul is now officially the king, all right? He's kind of been charged to go and attack the, Philistine, the Philistines, and he has this army that's getting ready to attack. But remember in verse, chapter 10, verse 8, he said, hey, wait seven days before I come and do the sacrifice, I being Samuel, come and do the sacrifice. And so what happens, right, is he gets there, and all of a sudden, like, the Philistine army is upon him, and he's kind of going, should I wait, or do I attack, because I'm afraid they're going to attack me. All right, so I want to pause it there and just ask the simple question, what is the most urgent thing in Saul's life right now? Just throw it up there. Like, what do you think? What is urgent, what is currently pressing on him that this is very urgent? Yeah, everybody's leaving. So now he's looking back, and he sees his entire army going like, hey, we're out. And they're hiding in caves and stuff. What else is urgent? So his, his army's running away. What else is urgent? Philistines are coming. Yeah, he's getting ready to get killed by a whole bunch of Philistines. All right, so here they're coming. His men are running that way, and he's in this tension of, do I neglect the whole seven-day thing, or do I go, right? Um, what is the fear behind this urgent thing that's happening? Like, what is, what is Saul afraid of right now? Kill the kill. Yeah, right? The common fear of going, yep, I'm going to die. Like, there, there is a right fear to this. It's, here's a whole bunch, this used to be a terrifying dream in my life. I, I remember, like, when I was little, is that a whole bunch of samurai soldiers were coming over a hill, and the sun was, like, rising. I don't know why, that was scary to me. And I thought they were going to kill me. And that's what's kind of happening right now, right? This army of the Philistines is coming over, and he's like, oh, boy. And probably saying other choice words. And, um, and he's urgently going, what do I need to do? So if that's what's urgent, here's a question to ask. What's the most important thing for Saul at this moment? The urgent is the Philistines. What's the most important thing? Yeah, the dude, Samuel. The most important thing was, hey, you need to listen to me. I'm, he's the prophet for God. You need to listen to me. That's what's important. And what does he do? Does he listen? No, right? And then we read on as you start to realize is that all of Israel kind of falls captive to this because of Saul's decision. And so here's this tension, what happens when we live in the urgency is that we begin to listen to our fears and we make these rash decisions that aren't really good decisions, right? Our, our decisions lead to these kind of bad outcomes. I mean, here, if I had to say, here's one thing is, what is important is seldom urgent. 
and what is urgent is seldomly important. All right, like what is important is seldom urgent. And what is urgent is seldomly important. I mean, if I had to say, going to just thinking right now, like think through your life. I mean, if you're if you have a, if you have a time when you go and spend time with the Lord this week or in your journal right now, maybe we'll just throw it out there. Let's just throw this out there. Hey, what are some of the most important things to you right now? Like in your life right now, what would you say? Hey, these are really important to me. Okay, we're amongst friends. My family. Thank you. Yeah, my family. My schoolwork. Okay, my schoolwork. Yeah. My job. My job. Yeah. My friends. Okay, yeah, my friends. Probably your t- like you and the Lord, right? Like my relationship with the Lord hopefully is a, is a high precedent for what I think is important in my life. All right, let's, let's flip that. What are things that are currently urgent in your life that, are, that just seem to be pressing on you right now? That maybe aren't as important, but they're just urgent. They have to happen. Probably schoolwork, right? There's part of that in that, right? It's a flip-flop. What else? Things that are just urgent, they're pressing you. Money. Yeah. Taxes? Definitely. Two days. Registration. Registration, yeah. Graduation. Graduation. That's great. Keep going. Things that are just urgent. Your future career. Trying to figure say career. Yeah. Food. Food. Can't wait. 6.30. You're going to be good. Um, yeah, hey. Here's the idea. If you had to rank yourself on a scale, and I think you'll know this. Again, I think you can ask the Lord in this. is Hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being I live in the important, or 10 being I live in the urgent, where do you fall under? You don't have to answer that right now, but I think it's a great time to go to the Lord. Are you constantly running around going, I'm, I mean, don't you love this? Like, I mean, we all say this. And I feel so guilty. Like, oh, I'm just so busy. Like, I'm so busy. Like, I got this going. I got this going. I'm so busy. And I always want to be like, you did that. Like, you created that. Like, don't blame other people because you're busy. I mean, here, Andy Stanley would say this. Busyness is a spiritual issue. Always. Everyone has the same amount of hours in the day. We're all busy. But how do we use that time is the question we need to constantly ask yourself. And here's where I, I hope to kind of take it a little bit. You guys have probably seen this. You guys might be able to see this. If not, I'm sorry. Um, at one point, it's called like Eisenhower's Quadrilateral, maybe? No, Quadrant. We're going to say that. We're going to say that. All right. All right. Here are these four quadrants, all right? If this is... Um, I always feel like I messed this one up. Okay, there we go. If this quadrant right here is urgent, this is not urgent. Alright, this is important. And this is not important. I'll move it so you can see. Alright? So if you kind of follow me, right, this quadrant right here, it's urgent and it's important. Alright, this is the stuff of like. Registration's due tomorrow, right? That's important and it's urgent. It has to get done like right now. But then you look at stuff that's probably not as urgent, right? It's like, okay, I'd say my time with the Lord. It's not urgent, right? If I miss today, I mean, I'll do it tomorrow, right? That's a lie we tell ourselves. But it's super important. Or we think of other things that are they're important, but they're not urgent, like my family. 
Right? Like if I if I want to go do bedtime, you're like, well, like I'll, I'll do it tomorrow, maybe, right? But it's important, but it's not urgent. So we let the urgent kind of take on the next thing if you're following me. And then you have this part where it's not important and it's urgent. This is like when other people dump stuff on you, like, right? And someone's like, hey, will you do the slice for club tonight? And you're like, now I gotta do it, right? Like, that's your role. Now I'm doing it. Right? And now, and now you're in this quadrant where you kind of get dumped on. Uh, but here, here's the purpose, and then you have my favorite. Um, this is called Netflix. This is not urgent and not important, right? This is where a lot of us live. And here's the point of showing you this. We want to live here. If you live here, you'll feel like life has balance. Life has rhythm to it. I'm see um, that top right. Things that are, it's not urgent, but it's important. What happens is we find our life living in this quadrant right here. Everything's urgent. Everything's important. You feel like the world is falling down, especially during final season. And what happens is when you're here, you go and find yourself right back here to not important, not urgent. Follow me. Here's what I mean. It's now, you, this is what you taught me so much was, all right, I had the club talk on Monday. Right, and now I have a paper due Tuesday, and so what happens is, okay, well, uh, I'm just gonna wait until Monday. I finish my club talk. Now it's Monday night, and now I'm living very much the important urgent, and I'm standing up, and I hate my life, and I'm typing this paper. And someone goes, "Hell, do you want to go to a cookout?" Yes, I want to get as far away as I can from here because it stinks. And so I go to not important, not urgent. Now you've been there when you're sitting there doing something that's really urgent and important, but it just it wears on. Like, you can't live life up here. And my fear as leaders, and I, this, this was me in the fall, I just lived everything as if it was urgent and important at all times. And when December hit, I wanted to curl up in a cave probably for about four years. Right? If I'm honest, like, I wanted to go and just, like, not have any responsibilities for the rest of my life for a long time. Because when you live up here, you get burned out. But you're not called to live up here. Yes, there are going to be times when you have papers that are come out of nowhere and you have to do it. But if we can learn to balance life and live in the not important or important but not urgent, you'll get to experience life the way it was created to be. Can you guys think of times at all, and I'll kind of bring it together here. Can you think of times at all when you were, um, times when you look at Jesus who seemed to kind of live life in the important and not so much in the urgent? Did any stories kind of come to mind? I mean, there's a few different places where he's healing. Bed, wakes up, there's a ton of people. Disciples so say, Hey, there are people here for you to heal. And he goes, We're going to the next town. Yeah. When Sue's got this giant crowd, it's like, Hey, we called for everyone. We're, we're going this way now. And you're like, But they really need you right now. That's great. What else? Other times that you, you feel like Jesus did the important, not the urgent. So there was a time where uh, this, this, this man came to Jesus and his daughter was dying. And he needed his daughter to be uh, healed. But on the way back, Jesus stopped. Yes. I love that. I'm going to get back to that story because I think that's a great point. Yeah, I love that one. When Jesus retreated into solitude to be with the Lord and pray, Peter and his disciples were like, we're going here. Yes. I mean, how important, when you see Jesus go off and pray, and you're like, but you are at the same time God. I mean, that should tell us how much more important it is for us to go and make that time. If the Lord's going, if Jesus, who is God, is going, I need to spend time with my Father, how much more do we need to? It's a great point. What else? Yeah. Uh, Lazarus, 
Yes. And deliberately waited three more days while his friend was urgently dying. Gosh, yeah. When there was a storm going on in the ship, Jesus was sleeping while the whole disciples were thinking the ship was going to sink. But Jesus didn't really care, so they had to bother him. It's like, why are you stressing? Yeah. I mean, it feels like Jesus was constantly a little bit laid back in a sense. Almost to the point that if we were to watch that, we'd maybe even call him lazy. Like, are you kidding me? You're making time for that? Like, what? Because in our culture, we value urgent and important. It's all about getting things done right now. Like, if I send you a text message, you better text me back within a couple of seconds. Right? Like, it has to happen. Um, going back to the story you're saying, I mean, of Jarius, you know, Allie, Allie taught this at, not, not too long ago, where we talked about Jesus was always, he was busy, right? He's Jesus, but he was never in a hurry. And I love this picture when, when Jairus, who is this very important, this is in Mark 5. In Mark 5, Jairus goes to Jesus and goes, my daughter is literally dying. Like This is an uber emergency. She is dying. And he goes and says, all right, like we'll go. And now in my mind, I go, Jairus is, is a high and he's an important official and his daughter is dying. I go urgent, important. I better, I better hurry up and go that way. And as he's going that way, We've all told this club talk, right? There's this woman, and she's been bleeding for 12 years. And she goes and touches him, and she's healed. And to me, that goes, great, Jesus. Like, you didn't have to do anything. Like, it didn't have to stop you. You're still on your way, and he touched you, and you can just keep on going. It was great. It's a win-win. She's healed. She doesn't really want to be found out anyway. And you get to go to save Jairus. And it says he stopped. And my favorite part, depending on what translation you get, it says he listened to her whole story. Jesus was busy, but he wasn't in a hurry. He didn't skip ministry to go do ministry, right? Like, I think that's so important to know. Because he didn't live up in that top quadrant. I mean, I can't imagine being Jairus and looking at Jesus going, are you kidding me? Like, I told you my daughter's dying. It's like an ambulance stopping to go get, you know, Taco Bell on the way to the hospital. You're like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, we need to get going. And yet Jesus sat and he listened to her whole story. And because he's Jesus, he still made it all the way to Jairus. And he healed, her he healed his, at that point, dead daughter. And so I can't stress this over and over again. I, wish I, I feel like I learned this my first couple years as an adult slash on staff was the important versus the urgent. Our culture thinks everything is urgent. And the reality is it's not. We can't neglect the things that are important. Your family, your time with the Lord. I mean, I put your time with the Lord as the most important thing. I was telling me and Jared, I was like, hey, and our, our student staff, I go, don't ever come into our office and not spend time with the Lord. It's like the one cardinal sin I have. All right? Don't, if you step in the door, it means you're spending time with the Lord before you do anything else. Because that, to me, that's, that is the most important thing over any conversation I have with a, a, like a leader, a high school kid, my wife, I'm like, I, I, I got to make sure I spend time with the Lord. Not legalistically, I know I'm not saved. It just, that's the most important thing to me. So I want to make sure I'm doing his business, not mine. And so again, this word, if, if you're like, what's the catchphrase? Like, I don't know if it's a catchphrase, but just what's important is seldomly urgent and what's urgent is seldomly important. Can we begin to live life here in the midst of all these papers, in the midst of chaos? Can we trust that God will do his job and we can do ours? Um, 
So that's kind of uh, the, the thought I had. Another couple when you were talking about, I just had these. John 13, Jesus is getting ready to die. You know, he's getting ready to walk to his deathbed. And the, what he decides to do is wash his disciples' feet. Again, like you had this idea of he's doing the important. Uh, Mary and Martha is a great story when Mary's kind of hanging out with Jesus. And Martha's like, Jesus, tell her to get off her butt and keep helping me. And he's like, Martha, Martha, chill out. It's okay. Um, or maybe it's Mary and Mary. I don't know. They get mixed up. And uh, the other thing is, the last one, I, I always think it was John 15. He's literally in the garden getting ready to pray to the Lord that this cup could pass from me. And he tells him this great last thing. It says, hey, friends, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll bear much fruit. And he goes on to say remain seven, or 11 times to tell them, hey, the most important thing you could do is remain in me. My hope is that we would begin to do the important and not the urgent. Like when you go to club, this is a lot. Okay, this is really the last thing because this is big on me. When you go to club and all of us are working on all of our skits and then we're working on the songs and then we're working on the slides and then it's like five minutes before kids come in. We're like, okay, okay, hey, let's go pray real quick. And you're like, hey, we pray and you're like nudging him like you better pray quick. And it's like, we <laughs> We care so much about like the programmatic side that we don't sit and pray for a while. Like we try at Blythewood, and we don't do it all the time. But we, we we try to make sure before we talk about anything else, we get we get in a room and we put on some music, and we just all scatter throughout the club room and we just pray, and we pray before we go and talk about our clubs or we play to talk about anything else because that has to be the most important thing we do. Just don't live in the urgent. All right, hey, let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together. Uh, Lord, thank you for modeling us what does it look like to do the important. Lord, I I confess how I say things are important and then I live my life in this urgency of life. Lord, I pray that you'd help reorder uh, the priorities of my life, that I would run to you um, and not to things, and that I wouldn't run to not important, not urgent, and just kind of hide in the rocks, Lord, uh, because you have called us to do more. I thank you so much for who you are, and I pray these things in your son's name. Amen.